You're listening to Around Comics, episode 259, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and Evangelion by Funimation. This is Around Comics, the comic culture podcast, where each week a revolving panel of guests talk about everything in and around the world of comic books and comics culture. And Around Comics is normally recorded at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, but uh, what, for the, like the fifth week in a row, we're coming to you from Challengers Comics and Conversation. It is located at uh, 1845 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you are in the area, please drop by. Uh, we, we're going to be back at Dark Tower, but honestly, I, I just didn't want to carry all of the equipment back. Oh, <laughs> so lazy. Hey there, folks. I'm Christopher Neesman. Let me get you introduced to this new roundtable. Uh, first of all, as always, Mr. Tom Cater. Hi. Hi, Tom. I like, it's nice, like a long table, like f- far away. You're like over there. You like, a glass you, like, booth. you like me being, yeah, being far away from being you. Being far away. If we could get like a glass partition. <laughs> it's our, our dream of all recording like, in different rooms. Separate is, is, rooms. Is, is very slowly coming together. Here. Yeah. All right. Next, uh, you know him as the voice of Word Balloon. He is, of course, our good buddy, Mr. John Suntress. Hello. Hello, John. Good to see everybody. Yeah. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy Black Friday. Yes. Uh, Steely is. Dan is playing in my mind right now. I'm just thinking of the words Black Friday. <laughs> I assume all of you guys got up at like five this morning to go to Target and <laughs> oh, yeah. fight people for... I got my $20 digital camera and my... Uh, I actually, I did get up at 5 o'clock this morning, but it was because my dog was throwing up all over Ew. the floor from all the table scraps she had eaten the night before. before the it was like, it's like, oh man, well, should I go to Best Buy now? Well, you mentioned that you cooked the turkey yesterday, so I suspect. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> hey, you know, I'll have to call my parents and my wife's parents and find out if they had similar experiences this morning. I have a feeling I would have heard from them by now. So. Chris, you made a bad or turkey. maybe not, or maybe not. Yeah, yeah. I may be sworn off. Our our next guest uh, back from popular demand. This is uh, far and away one of our most popular guests on the show in the in the last year, or maybe maybe ever. The amount of fan mail that I've gotten for Mr. Christian Alame has been off the charts. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great, Christian. You are, you are of course, the... That's uh, his Luc Besson uh, <laughs> voice when he's, whenever he's in a Luc Besson. No, but I heard the, postca- the past podcast we did together. I thought my voice was a little too high-pitched. <laughs> We're well, all okay. modulator. Wolfman, all our voices Wolfman, are down. Wolfman Jacques. Oh, I have to is. think about our female audience, okay? <laughs> all right, fair enough. So I'll speak like Batman. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, if, if you hadn't listened to uh, the episodes that he was on with us before, he is, of course, uh, the current inker on, uh, on Green Lantern, uh, working with with Doug Mankey and uh, an outstanding artist in his own right. So, Christian, it is an absolute pleasure to, to have you back. Thanks, Chris. It's All great right. to did, be back. Did you uh, enjoy your uh, capitalist American holiday yesterday? Absolutely. Yeah. Tryptophan. Uh, <laughs> I'm still sleepy anyway. Then any French turkey yesterday? Or? No, no. Uh, just typical French. American uh, meal. Like, uh, that was good, actually. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. No Greek stuff on the uh, menu? No, no, no. No feta in the turkey. Okay. Because no, like, uh, yeah. Christian is also Greek and part of the Greek comic book contingent. So uh, yes. yeah. you got to acknowledge that. It's like the Greek that mafia. Of, well, that's the truth. You, you got you know, you to acknowledge the French and Greek side. When we did... Uh, um, 
the death of Martian Hunter, like uh, last year, Requiem, it was like uh, Doug Menke, myself, and uh, Peter Tomasi. So it was the Greek squad. <laughs> Every one of us had like uh, get, that, get right. that sucker edited by Christos Gage and your your <laughs> yeah, high octane. Then uh, did you celebrate forty days afterwards too with a little uh, memorial as is tr- no, Greek no. tradition or anything? Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm far from tradition. <laughs> All right, know, like, fair I enough. Stay away. You know, I, I, I ho- smell the lamb coming from it, that book. It, it's the truth. <laughs> I hosted the this year, so I did all the cooking, and I live in a very Latino neighborhood here in Chicago. And anytime my dad comes up to the neighborhood, we we go out to, to dinner there in, in the neighborhood, and it's usually a taqueria or you know some sort of Mexican restaurant. And and I told him, it's like, hey, we're gonna, we're going to host Thanksgiving this year. You guys come on. And he's like, all right, we're not having no damn turkey tacos though. <laughs> turkey tacos. <laughs> there better not be any goddamn tortillas anywhere near That's this salsa? turkey. <laughs> I don't want any salsa as an appetizer either, damn it. It's like, I'm going to put some sausage in the dressing. It's like, ain't going to be okay. none of that chorizo so stuff. It's going to be American chorizo. sausage. <laughs> chorizo. Well, before we jump all the way in here, I want to uh, remind everyone that this episode of Around Comics is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where waiting for the trade has never been easier. InStockTrades.com is your source for trade paperbacks, deluxe hardcovers, omnibus editions, absolute editions, essentials, showcases, and more, all at great discounted prices. And remember that all orders over $50 do in fact ship for free and uh, Tom are we going to do our, our book club if we, are, are you Ever? all set I'm not done with the book yet okay, I will next be, time, I'm next like time. three quarters through so by next time okay. I should be all set so all you folks out there that have yet to read Hellblazer Dangerous Habits this is uh, your last call you can uh, you can pick that up in stock for uh, 47% off the cover price it can be yours for the low price of $7.94 and really for less than 8 bucks you know you can't afford not to not to pick that up it's well we'll see when we talk about it i are you the three quarters that you're that you're through are you enjoying it um yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The the last quarter, uh, I'll just say, I'll just I'll just it slow build, and then I I really did like the end of it. So okay. I, I I think I was I, right where listen, you where yeah. you are. It's uh-huh. a seminal John Constantine story. All right, <laughs> John's going to take love- you to school. No, I'm <laughs> just saying it is it, it's an ex it is no, and I can appreciate that it is kind of a slow burn, but mm-hmm. at yeah. the end, it's yeah, it's it's no, it's one of the best uh, Constantine stories I think. Yeah, and we will, and we will talk about it at length. But I, um, John always uh, loves the the cancer stories. Is that the one where the devil Jesus. gives him cancer and all that? Like, oh, I've read that Spoilers. a long time ago. That was great. Spoilers. That's right yeah, off the bat. It's, yeah, it's right an old book. It's an old book. Yeah, of course. No, it is, and it's that yeah, was it's a good incredible. one. I remember yeah, incredible that one. story. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right. All right. All right. It's good. So we're going to get you humbling me. All right. Well, you know, actually, before uh, before we started recording, uh, Christian and, and Tom and I were having a, a kind of a fun conversation about covers. And we don't really talk about covers that much or the history of, of covers. And uh, uh, I think uh, it, the the conversation started, uh, we, were, we were talking about some of the Green Lantern stuff that, yep. that you and Doug are working on. And uh, and you guys started kind of riffing, talking about some of the, the old Silver Age cover. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to elaborate on what we were, what we were talking about. Yeah, I was just thinking, like uh, I do often, you know, because I'm thoughtful, I guess. <laughs> with that accent. Yes. That, <laughs> do, you, you know, do, you, like, do you think with a French a- accent or do you think in French? Like uh, I think in French actually, but some, it depends what I'm thinking about. If I'm thinking about like uh, my ex-wife, I think in Greek. If I'm thinking, <laughs> no, it's, it's true. It's true. If I'm, if I'm thinking about you guys, which thankfully never happens, then that would be in English. You All know, right. just uh, language is associated with uh, different subjects. That's, okay, uh, that's interesting. And uh, yeah, covers. I, I was 
I don't know, a few days ago, I was like uh, looking online at like old covers, like old Marvel covers and DC, like Silver Age stuff. Okay. And it, the difference with today's covers is really striking. You get like a whole story. It's over dramatic, but it's so well put together that it, it absolutely works. You cannot resist these old covers. We were talking with Chris uh, before, like about like this classic Spider-Man cover, uh, John Romita probably, where he's like walking away and he's got like his costume in the trash bag, you know, like and Spider-Man like, no more. Yeah, that's it. And the end? Question mark. I remember a wonderful cover. I think it might have been like Daredevil twenty. I'm not even sure. It's above a gray cityscape, and you get Daredevil and Spider-Man, I believe, like flying above like that, and it's just a striking cover, like just beautiful stuff. And there's almost like an. Ex- Impressionistic approach to these covers that that's been lost today. I think like that's uh, for the most well, part. Well, it used to be that you'd look at the cover and you'd be like, "Oh, how did that happen?" Or is you know, because there's right, a portion of the, you know, very rarely do I pick up a com- like I'm looking at Brave and the Bold number 29. And it's got Brother Power, the Geek, and Batman. <coughs> and there's not a point where I look at it and go, "Oh, how is this?" You know, how do they get in this situation? Yeah, yeah. 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 I read that. It was yeah. a teaser. It, it, it either acted as a teaser to the story, or especially at DC. A lot of times, and especially more in the anthology books, they would draw the cover yeah. and then say, write a story around that. And I know that was a big Julie Schwartz edict. I there, didn't know that, you see. That's, um, that, may, that reminds me of the stories about like, guys buying sci-fi books uh, back in the 60s just because Frazetta had done, had done the cover. You know, yes, like, That was yes. the only setting point. That's, Absolutely. Uh, well, there is a lot. Uh, there is uh, a couple of Flash stories, actually. They used to only come up with the covers first, and then... They'd have to make up the story behind the cover, and there's a, a famous cover of uh, the Barry Allen walking away from a tree, and the Flash costume is like nailed up on the tree with a <laughs> with a piece of paper saying "I quit." I mean, which I don't think is like the best way to resign. Just to, like, you know, like nail, who's going to go by this yeah. tree? The Coyotes know that the but, Flash you know, isn't fighting anymore. It's an evocative image, and you look at it and you go, oh, "I wonder what happens." And they actually two. Um, I, uh, both John Broom and Robert Kaniger wrote stories for that cover. And one month they ran the story that John Broom did, and then through again, probably some situation where they just didn't have another story, they're like, "All right, we'll do the Robert Kaniger version of yeah. how that story see, came out the next had month." Had they done the same cover today instead of like "I quit," it would have been like a, "I hereby turn my resignation like, <laughs> effective immediately." <laughs> so, I quit yours now. truly the Flash. <laughs> well, and I've heard that the explanation why. Covers today aren't as connected to the story. It's be, it's because so of previews yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. and they they need to kind of put those you know images out first before really having the story together. I guess it is true. No, uh, a lot of times um, it's still the case with Green Lantern now. Um, although Doug now. They give him a general idea about like what's going to be, you know, like okay, on this cover, like the last one forty-eight that just came out, it's like uh, okay, we need the blue lantern against uh, blue lanterns against the orange coal. But a lot of times you're just like, okay, can you come up with a cover? And sometimes you don't even know what the story is sure. about, and you're like, okay, you know, give me an idea. And the guy is like, okay, we're gonna have this guy against this guy, and so you come up with whatever you can, but you have to stay. And um, non-committal, basically, because you don't know what's going on. You can't have one character like killing the other character. You can't. You can't have Hal. You know, 
You can't have Hal, uh, you know, nailing his ring to a tree saying, I, I quit. I hate your bite and my I resignation. Hereby, <laughs> and my resignation. I, I also like how happen. there were like signature styles for both Marvel and DC covers. And right. it really was a handful of people like Murphy Anderson was pretty much the common factor in a lot of DC Silver Age yeah. covers. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it was over Kurt well, Swan or guys over uh, Infantino. Infantino. Yeah. 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 So you used to have like Infantino Gil and Kane. Nick Hardy and Nick Cardi, Neil Adams. You, part of their major function was they would do... The majority of the covers for all, you know, all the you for know, the line, for a bunch of for the entire yeah. Yeah. To this day, when Joe, think, Joe Cooper too. To yeah. this day, when I think of Green Lantern, the first images that come to mind are like Gil Kane and, and Neil Adams. I, I still remember these covers as if it was uh, yesterday, as if they had just come out. And these stories, especially the Neil Adams ones, have been reprinted a thousand times with various covers. I still remember the originals ones. Sure. I, I just project them onto the book. That's, Certainly uh, with the Flash covers, I feel that way about Infantino and, oh, yeah. and Murphy Anderson and all the guys that, you know, the major, majority, it seems like they were Infantino. Am I right? I mean, you're, oh, you're the one that's been like pouring for the Flash over. ones. Yeah, the yeah, Flash, yeah. Well, when he drew it, he did the covers for a long okay. time. And then when he stopped drawing it, it... Um, it he did it for a while after that, and then it was Nick Cardi, and no, then it was Ernie Chan, and okay. then Rich Buckler, and Kubert okay, did a few, and Neil yeah. Adams did a few. And I always love seeing Kubert, yeah. especially doing like those characters that he isn't known for oh, doing the interiors Kubert. on. Like you've got Superman Kubert covers. Oh, I remember, and some, I think that's really uh, interesting. The ones that strike me more, curiously, it's not even Hawkman or like all that, all that stuff. It's uh, unknown soldiers. Yeah, like oh, his war stuff is great. So great covers. All Absolutely. the war stuff was just beautiful. Yes. Don't talk too much about the 60s. Tommy's still afraid of the 60s Superman, the mean Superman. Well, Superman, so yeah, the Superman is a dick cover. Such a cruel, cruel Superman. Classic, yes. classic, absolutely. The other thing, too, is on the Marvel side, you mostly had Kirby doing a lot of covers. And then mm -hmm. it's funny how during the Steranko uh, craze that literally there are so few interior books that he did, but he did a ton of covers. Cool. And immediately I think the feeling was obviously that was the entry point to get people to buy the, the book. Uh, so I think the, the artists were more valuable as cover the, artists than One they of were the most artists. striking covers from Steranko that I remember is like the X-Men issue from the month of my birth, actually, which is X-Men 50. And you have like Lorna Dane, like uh, Polaris, like floating like that in green with oh, beautiful colors. Cover. And that's yeah. like the, the November uh, 68 when, when mm -hmm. I was born. So that's just like beautiful. But there's also like a weird function with uh, the idea of spoilers now, too. You know, like one of my favorite books is The Walking Dead, but no Walking Dead cover is anything more than a generic image of, some, of mm. someone being sad <coughs> or like True. sitting down because so many people wait to read the trade on that book that you can't have anything on a cover because the covers go out everywhere, you know? And, like, if there's anything that's even remotely close to, like, a spoiler... In fact, there's been a few where, like, uh, it looks like someone's being killed that doesn't get killed. You know, like, mm -hmm. the, the cover almost serves oh, they're, as, they're like, a they're misdirection. They're careful with the, uh, with the ads for, for Walking Dead. I mean, they, they, they went probably farther than they had... Before in this last ad campaign, the, the of you know the 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 dead hunt. don't stalk, the yeah. dead don't hunt, which you know tied into that last storyline, and so they're really careful even with the with the advertisements. So I think they understand that book so well, and that it is it is a trade driven book. And as we get into into that, but uh, you know that's another thing. You know, the, as we see more trades coming out, I, I think there's a lot of trades that that will repurpose like the first issue. Of, of a title, but you're starting to see a lot more original covers that are done just for the trade dress for stuff, which I True. think is kind of nice. So I think uh, lately, too, at Marvel, there's been some really good covers. Scotty Young, our oh, friend, Scotty's has been awesome really job. doing some yeah. very iconic covers that 
Marvel Adventures Armor Wars, the retelling of that story. Um, I had no interest in it, but man, I'll tell you, those Scotty covers made me buy the books because they really, I mean, he had that classic uh, Hamlet, uh, Last Poor Yorick, I Knew Him Well kind of image of Stark holding, or I guess, okay, sorry, for nerds, that would be uh, Darth Vader holding the uh, C-3PO. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the C-3PO. <laughs> Well, speaking of, but, um, you know, it didn't that Scott, kind of, Scotty just did the uh, the cover for Marvel Adventures Spider-Man number 57? Was it him and Deadpool? Uh, oh, it, no, actually, I saw it. It was an amazing with, Spider-Man. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Somney did Interiors, and I need to pick that up today because cool. I, I, I hear great stuff about Marvel Adventures Spider-Man, and I don't read it on a regular basis, and I hear that it really is a, a fun Spider-Man book. So, it's, I need Does to, anyone know what the proportion of comics produced back then, like saying the... Comedy titles? 60s was compared to today. I'm looking at the well, rocks here in challenge, uh, Challengers, and there's like you know, like it seems like uh, maybe like uh, 200 comics at least, like uh, on the racks. Uh, well, just for well, you did have you did have the other publishers uh, back That's in the true. Silver Age too, like Dell and uh, Gold but Key. DC and Marvel didn't put out right 15 books a week. You know, That's yeah. true. I mean, when I get like the complete like every month, like for a single month, it sounds like we. I mean, honestly, we get probably like 70 comics, 80. I don't know. I have no idea. I think it is uh, around 80, isn't yeah, it? With, it including, is, uh, including Vertigo and, yeah, yeah, and Wildstorm. Wild I think Storm, it is like 80. Everything. Yeah. That's, uh, well, so it's huge. And I think well, Marvel's gotta, at 60. Yeah, but you got to look at distribution. I mean, there was a time whenever there weren't stores that were dedicated to having walls and walls of comics. You go to, into yeah, a drugstore yeah, right. or, a, or a, a stop and shop, and it's like they'd have 20 books there, and yeah, that was yeah. it. Well, yeah. then also the scheduling, not every book was monthly back in the Silver Age. Not only did you have bi-monthly books, but you had eight issues, yeah, exactly, eight, eight issues a month or eight issues a year. Yeah. Wow, semi, semi, what did, how did they call that? I don't even remember what they called. I, they didn't, me- they purposely didn't mention it until <laughs> they switched it to monthly, and then they said, "Oh, now it's monthly." I don't know if it's the the same in English. We got like, uh, if it's like twice a month, it's uh, bimensual. If it's like uh, every two months, it's bimestrial. So I don't. That sounds know, like, like a women's product that you'd be taking. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, all right, you know, like, interesting. Which which aisle is that in? You know, it's a it's a sensual <laughs> job anyway. It's in sensual job. This portion of Around Comics is brought to you by Evangelion from Funimation. Imagine having Doctor Frankenstein as your father. Your classmate and fellow pilot is a partial clone of your dead mother, and she's hot. You've been forced by your father to pilot a giant living robot named Eva Unit 1 to fight deadly creatures called angels from destroying the planet. And to top it off, you have raging teenage hormones and it's the end of the world if you screw up. No pressure. The Evangelion 1.01 You Are Not Alone movie is the complete rebuild of the groundbreaking sci-fi giant robot anime. Otaka USA Magazine writes, Evangelion reminds us of what anime can be by having us all flex our otaka muscles, yet always satisfies our basis needs for cute girls and mecha. Watch the first eight minutes of the movie at www.funimation.com forward slash Evangelion. Evangelion 1.01 You Are Not Alone. Available now on DVD. Well, hey, 
hey, since we have Christian here, we should probably uh, should probably talk a little Green Lantern. What's uh, what's going on with uh, with Blackest Night? Is that continues to be a pretty pretty outstanding event in uh, in my opinion. I'm I'm still having a lot of fun with it. I, I was afraid that I was going to get a little bored with uh, especially with the crossovers of okay, well here's the next dead character showing up to torment these people, and we're kind of starting to to enter that that any of the one shots or like the uh, Teen Titans just came out and there was the Blackest Night uh, Outsiders as these these one shots and but anytime and, you can bring back vibe. Yes. Justice, you know, <laughs> oh, anytime yeah. you can bring back the Puerto Rican uh, break dancer or anything, you have to. to how take did, it I, I, I how did you like that? I haven't finished it yet. I, I took a. Fl- I all I, did, I bought it and I flipped through and I was like, oh. It's vibe. I'm like, yeah, I'm I got to say, JT Kroll doing the Titans, he did an excellent job on that Blackest Night miniseries, and mm-hmm. I was very happy to see him on the monthly because uh, I think that was one of the better surprising uh, spin-offs. Very good mini. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing, and I, I really was surprised because it was one that I didn't have much interest in, and then I read the th- those three issues, and I thought it was great and left the story in a very interesting I, point. I haven't read any of the Titans right, uh, yet. I think I'm going to wait until everything is done mm-hmm. and pick a reading order and try to get everything at once. Uh, even though I'm working on it, it's like uh, I don't remember everything, uh, and I don't read them also uh, in a timely fashion because I'm working on a story that's obviously not published yet. At the same time, I get the completes uh, late as well, and uh, and people online are talking about stuff I haven't read yet because I get the completes like uh, much later than the than the, the books uh, come out. Yeah, yeah focus so on it, doing it, them. It's a bit confusing, <laughs> and I want to keep focused exactly on what we're doing with Doug. So I'm kind of waiting the end of it to reread everything, like mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, and just like get it in. Like I did the same thing with Final Crisis last year. I uh, with all the, the the stuff we've been working on, like Superman uh, uh, 3D, like Superman Beyond, like uh, Death of Martian Manhunter, and the the miniseries itself of Final Crisis, I had to wait until everything came back, like in uh, trade paperbacks and that. I sat down one day and read everything, and then I started to understand what it was about. Because before that, I was like, okay, I don't know, I'm just gonna I just got I got an ink. I yeah. just got an ink. <laughs> That's it. You can't call and say, I don't understand what happened on this page. But so are you, you, are you hip to what's, hap- what's happened at Green Lantern Corps? That, I, I mean, uh, and I think we're far enough away from it that we can talk about it now. Yeah, it's fine. Well, it's, actually, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I haven't got the issue yet. If you're talking about Kyle Rayner, I, 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 I didn't get the issue yet. I'll probably get it like uh, next week or like the following week. So I'm, I've read about it online, but I have not read uh, the book itself. Okay. That's why it's confusing. I'm just... I try to 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 not think about it too much, forget a bit about it. So next year, or like whenever it is, like I pick up finally everything is done, I, I can enjoy it. Like, You'd be uh, like, oh, that was that book I worked on was pretty I good. But I got a huge spoiler for Black Blackest Night. Uh, I am like uh, authorized to speak about it here, so it's a first. Uh, <laughs> it was all a dream. <laughs> it's, all a, it's all a dream. There's one. It's like the end of Saint Elsewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pat, There's Pat, an autistic Pat, lantern it, staring into uh, a snow globe. There, there there How Jordan wakes up in uh, Edwards Air Force Base in the shower. Like, in the oh, shower. Oh, Here, Patrick Duffy Cowgirl. moment. Yeah, Cowgirl comes out. Hey, how you doing? I ate too much turkey yesterday. You know, like, <laughs> the entire DC no universe self. is a dream. <laughs> no Thai food after 3 a.m. <laughs> you know, I, ha- I have been pretty impressed that uh, I mean, you can read just Blackest Night and you can get what's going on. You can read Blackest Night and Green Lantern and obviously that expands the story for you. Same thing with Green Lantern Core. And you can kind of just, you can measure how 
into it you want to be. Absolutely. And they've done a really nice job that the main story is in the main title and then the main mainstream story, you know, with, with Green Lantern expands off of it. And then if you want to pick up the tie-ins, you, you can. You didn't have to read Outsiders or last Batman. week. Even Batman and Superman were not necessary. You know, no. on, I think the only one that has had Im- – Maybe the the biggest consequences is that is the Teen Titans. I would, the, the and isn't that issues. surprising? Yeah, yeah. That that's one that actually has a chunk of the story that is interesting, and it's like, wow, that's kind of a big revelation. Uh, uh, Dove, the the new Dove, yeah. the, the female Dove, she is uh, apparently one of the the only non Lantern characters. I don't want to hear that. La, 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 la. <laughs> don't spoil it for him. Well, um, he hasn't read it yet. <laughs> no, 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 it's all right. Uh, I just think we're <coughs> assisting to the, after a very long gestation, the birth of the um, uh, yearly event mm-hmm. as an art form unto its own. In other words, it seems to me like it all started years ago with the annuals. Then the annuals started to interact with one another, and yeah. that created a small event. Then the events themselves get bigger and add like tie-ins and implications on, on um, other, in other stories, other titles. And it seems to me after all these tryouts, like I, I always stayed away from big events, like mm-hmm. for the most part. And now I think with the final crisis last year, we started to get like it started to get more interesting. They, they really like they pay a lot more attention than they used to. And I think Blackest Night might be the first event that completely works for me. That that in other words, that's really an achievement unto its own. Um, and it's it's like a new art form. It's like something that now you can expect I suspect every year from uh, major publishers and they're getting better at it it only took them about 10 or 15 years in fairness it it was an organic process and also it sounds like talking to all the people that have been behind a lot of these events that there was always resistance from pockets of creators who were forced to participate <clears throat> mm-hmm. and maybe didn't give their best effort. Well, and then it seems now there's a better chance of, at least on the Marvel side, and I don't know about the DC side, where creators can either opt into an event or opt out. And yes. I think that's a smart and, uh Or now you get invited in, basically, and it's it's kind of an honor. You know, like uh, sure. before that, like when you were uh, given an annual to do, it was kind of like, all right, they are giving you like, the worst Crap stuff. Job. You know, it, it yeah. was considered to be like... Uh, you know, it's just an annual. Nobody cares, really. And like, uh... I hated it, even though I'd never had a Thanksgiving as a child. <laughs> <laughs> I hated the idea that, yes. it possibly, that it could possibly happen. Do you guys have any other uh, holidays in, in France, like like Thanksgiving? Um, just an excuse Bastille to, Day, yeah, is that a get, big deal? Get the family together and eat. No, Bastille Day is not even as big a deal in France as, like, say, uh, Independence Day is here. Okay. Um... I mean, yeah, people celebrate it. You get like a huge military parade on the Champs Elysees. The okay. jets are flying above, blah blah. But nobody cares much. I mean, you know, just like it's, do families get together on that day and just no, hang out? No, no, no. no. Okay, you just like uh, watch the defile on on TV, the military defile. I wait for the planes personally, then I turn the TV off. Especially don't want, I especially don't want to hear the speech of the president or like you sure. know, it's just like all right, thank you. You know, like. Uh, <laughs> And uh, no, uh, Christmas is the same as here. So it's like uh, other celebrations which are not necessarily official, like New Year's Eve or like stuff sure. like that. Uh, but no, there is no Thanksgiving. Uh, it's really a typical, by definition, American uh, holiday. Sure. 
and uh, there is no Halloween, although they tried like the past 10 years to introduce it in France, and mainly it came from like the big department stores because they figured oh, they yeah. could sell a lot of stuff, sure, you know, sure. like little pumpkins and all that. So there was a little craze for a while, for like three years, and then it kind of came down again. So, you know, like... See, uh, a, yeah, reasonable not, uh, a reasonable place. Like Love Day on The <laughs> yeah. Simpsons. So yeah. let me get something straight. Is Thanksgiving about like uh, when the first uh, pilgrim came on the East Coast, like somewhere like uh, New England, like mm -hmm. their first year, their colony was failing. So basically they were starving to death. The Indians came and fed them. And then the next year they killed the Indians or some such. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who's thanking who here? You know, yeah. I like, can just like... <laughs> Did you did that, you guys that's break the, out that, the, that's that's the grade school <laughs> nutshell? Good, yeah, did yeah. you guys break out the traditional scarlet fever blankets that we have in my <laughs> house? I was going to say they, they, uh, somebody tears that last chapter out of the book though when they try and tell it to us in grade school. <laughs> they don't mention uh, yeah. that next year they killed so, the, the same Indians so, they broke bread with. I, I, what I, happened I don't after want, that? I don't want to get into dangerous territory, but you don't hear many people mentioning like. Um, the Bible and speaking about incest or things like that. Okay, that's but it's usually in there. the yeah. Oh, it's all over the place. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just had to repopulate after this Sodom book and is Gomorrah. filthy. Yeah. This is so horrifying. <laughs> Th Thanksgiving is actually it's uh, uh, started uh, after the Civil War or yeah uh, during the Civil War. That's a that's an Abe Lincoln holiday. They yeah. I heard the go. other day that on the radio that uh, FDR wanted to change the date and he did for a few years. Of uh, Thanksgiving, uh, it had some. He wanted to boost business, uh, so he basically he decided. I forgot exactly what it was that it would be every year on the 25th or something like that. Oh, he had a very specific day. A in mind. very specific day a in date. mind, and okay. there was such a popular reaction that he retracted like uh, very very quickly. All right, like, I uh, fucked up. We'll put it back. How did they yeah, have Black? Much. How did they have Black Friday? <laughs> How were you supposed to go shopping? You know, back honestly, then? that would be interesting to find out when Black Friday By really way, was like. Speaking of Black Friday, I just wanted to mention to our listeners that today the podcast is free for them, but starting yeah. next week, they can uh, send checks to Christian <laughs> Alamy. <laughs> He's co opted yes. the podcast. Ne next, next week, the, the price doubles. And all checks are, are two sent times to, zero. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So it's double the free price. It's still for free. Oh, I, I wanted to mention. If you put enough zeros, does it amount to something at some point? Is it like very so. small rocks? Do they float? I was, <laughs> I was promised there'd be no math today. I have no idea. <laughs> Turns into a math podcast. Did you guys read uh, the Punisher? The yes, Punisher indeed, sir. Frankenstein. What'd you guys think? I loved it. I mean, Chris, I, I, I enjoyed it exponentially, uh, exponentially cool. <laughs> more than uh, than Punisher: The List, which I thought and, was kind of a goofy, uh, a goofy Punisher story. It's I like, respectfully disagree. I, I didn't. I, I thought Romita's art was great in that, but this was just a buttload of fun. Um, when I read it, I enjoyed it, but I couldn't help but think of like, um, because in my head, when I think of someone who's really into the Punisher, mm -hmm. who's like really into the Punisher, this must have been their worst nightmare of what oh, a Punisher yeah. Yeah. would be like. As Punisher gets turned into Frankenstein. Well, by, like, John, 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 and I had a nice conversation about this. Yeah, yeah, well, and it's and I know that this was something too that I listened to on Eleven O'clock Comics mm -hmm. and and agreed with Vince and kind of felt bad for uh, Jason, Jason, who admitted that he's kind of jaded and and the way that the list ended he's like well you know you know he's going to come back and it's like well of course he's going to come back but uh first on on the list i thought it, i thought it was great i thought it was very dramatic it has to stand on its own and it did and now we've got this great right turn that as you say must drive punisher fans crazy but what do you do with the punisher in the 616 universe when you already have an excellent max book that gives you the straight up crime. I think we saw in the 90s what happened when there were too many books that were the same at, with the Punisher. They turned Punisher black. 
it, it, well, they did <laughs> that. They turned, yeah, and they turned him into an angel. And well, no, see, you know, I, just, I, I think just, I think that that is is the 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 genesis of the of the reaction to this is that we as comic book fans have a tendency of being cynical and jaded. I know <laughs> I know it's shocking, but we've seen this character really mishandled in the past, and it's like, oh God, okay, well they've killed him, and now they're gonna sew him back together and make him into a monster. But do you think like in ten years, you know, the punchline about the Punisher being black is everyone's always like they turned the Punisher black, and then what is? What a stupid idea! Do you think in ten years someone will look back and be like, "They turned Frankenstein, they turned Punisher Franken into Frankenstein." It was that or gay, and they figured <laughs> out. <laughs> A pick like, Punisher. These are the two directions we can go with well, the Punisher. Well, know, it seems like sometimes, you know, it's, it seems to me these are always editorial decisions, and they're not always the most original, okay? And it's, uh, but it's a grounded street However, character. I, yeah. I, I saw, uh, I, di- I didn't read this one, but I saw, like, the uh, advertising I was reading, actually, I read, like, lately the, uh, I, I don't read comics, and especially not Marvel, since I get all the DC for free, but <laughs> I did read, like, the uh, uh, Marvel's project, like, the yes. three first issues, which I really enjoyed. And in in it was like a commercial for that, and I saw the commercial. I'm like Frank and Punisher, whatever they call him. Frank and then I saw like Tony Moore does it, and yeah. I love Tony Moore. I was like, okay, that should be fun, you know. That's well, just like, you, know, you know, with with the Punisher, we have a couple different ways that we can go here. Actually, three different ways. You've got you've got Punisher Max, which I absolutely love the the Garth Garth Ennis Punisher Max. We had a, a very grounded street level um, crime and military comic, continuing that, that, the capable that, hands I mean, of that, Jason that, Aaron and uh, Steve Dillon. Currently. Oh, uh, Swarzynski, I think worked on it. Oh, Dwayne did yeah, a great job. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so you have you have a very real you have a very real world Punisher, which appeals to a whole set of yeah. Punisher fans. And then in the in the Marvel six one six, there's two ways you can go. You can ground him with Daredevil. And make right. him more of a, a street level six one six character, or you can do what what Rick and Tony are doing, and that is embrace everything that is crazy fun about superhero comics, and say, you know what, we're going to team him up with the League of Monsters. Well, and yeah, and how does mm-hmm. the Punisher react to this kind of craziness what, as opposed to a a, a powered? Uh, what is six one six? Is that the Aria code? <laughs> <laughs> that was created by Alan Moore. It's like all the parallel universes, like Earth oh, One and Marvel, Earth Two. Okay, yeah, yeah. Supposedly the Earth that the Marvel the proper yeah, Marvel but, universe <laughs> happens is is six sixteen. Uh, okay, that's, and it was that's the 60, the, and it was 1961 of June, which is when I believe Fantastic Four yeah. debuted, mm-hmm. and that's why it has that number of six. All right, so six one six is the parallel one or the original one. That it's is, the, yeah, it's the original Marvel. That's, universe. Okay. that's, the, that's right, the main right. stream. But Marvel has like what, Marvel. they got two universes. Like, uh, well, technically, I guess you got the Ultimate Universe now. So yeah, mm-hmm. the, 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 well, they're poor. <laughs> like, we got 52, all right? Well, but they have 616, supposedly, so you never know. Well, you, and they you play can with have other, as many as you need. So they say. Yeah, so, okay. they say. So, so they say. But I, I do like, I think it's a great idea. And also, as you were saying about the Daredevil comparison, that's why Ultimate Daredevil doesn't work. Daredevil is a street-level, realistic character that to ultimize him, it what do you do? It's all, it's already real world. Yeah. And I think the ultimates wasn't, or the ultimate universe was an attempt to make it a more real mm-hmm. current universe and well, stuff. Actually so actually about the ultimates, do they, are they included in these, uh, different universes? Because they are in the ultimate, they, the, the, ultimate the ultimates universe. are in the ultimate universe. They're the Avengers of the ultimate universe. All right. So, uh, what number is that? 
Is there a number? There's not a number. There's no number. I no. thought maybe they put the ultimate in one of the parallel universes or like uh, something it, like it, that. It, it is, and that's actually. <laughs> now we're going to get really nerdy. No. Uh, six, yes, you <laughs> wouldn't want that to happen on a comic book podcast. There, there, no? there, there has been kind of a string of of connection between the Ultimate Universe and and the six one six universe, and that's the Marvel Zombies. I was going to say, and well, then there's the Zombie Universe. Yeah. There's a third uh, my universe. My zip code is six zero six two six. So I vote for like Ultimate being. 606. Well, and the what, if, the what if stories initially were suggested to be alternate alter, alternate worlds because mm -hmm. that first story was what if you know Spider Man had joined the FF like he had been uh, tried to do in that first Spider Spider Man one and uh, and they and yeah the Watcher goes through this whole. There are various worlds where this happened yeah. and this happened. It's so, just Marvel just so, yeah. never really embraced it like DC has to really have them interact with you know they have you know at certain points. But uh, but Tom, how how did you like the uh, uh, Punisher yeah, Eleven? Oh, I did. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I enjoyed it. But the whole time I was reading, it, I thought, God, there's got to be some Punisher fan out there who's oh clearly like going to. But but again, I, I I don't think it was so much. Ultimately, yeah, I do think that they messed with the character in goofy ways in the '90s. But I think where the problem was, it was just an oversaturation of too many books telling the same type of stories at the same time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a lot of those Mike Barron and uh, Bill Reinhold Punishers are fantastic. Stephen Grant did excellent mm -hmm. stuff. Chuck Dixon. All of these guys did wonderful 80s yeah. and 90s Punisher stories. It just there, there was just too much of the same thing. And, it, and it, does, it doesn't hurt to, to mix things up. And like I said, I mean, there's a Punisher Max title out right now that Jason is writing, which is fantastic. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, Punisher fans, there always is going to be a Punisher out there for you. And, and this series, I think, from the start, when it started with Punisher War, War Journal, had already kind of like made a step and say, okay, no, this is the Punisher in the 616 universe. We're going to be a little goofy. Goofy shit's going to happen. And Absolutely. that's fine. And that's fine. So. When I was a Frankenstein. I also wanted to mention while we were talking about Blackest Night, um, there's actually uh, there's quite a few books the last couple of weeks I really enjoyed. But if, before we get too far away from Blackest Night, which we should because we've talked about it endlessly, uh, it's Superman Batman number 66 by uh, Scott Collins. Which was surprisingly very, very. Good. He wrote Andrew. He wrote Andrew. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. He had done the um, the Solomon Grundy miniseries, which I enjoyed the art. I thought you could see that Scott Collins hadn't written a lot of stuff because there's some writing things that kind of lost me a little bit. But um, this story involves Solomon Grundy, who uh, was killed by the DC Frankenstein at the end of his uh, miniseries, is brought back to life by a Black Lantern runs into Bizarro, he became friends with, and they run into Man Bat, and it's uh, <laughs> beautiful Scott Collins art. I just love his art, and for whatever reason, I love his art on the DC stuff more than I did the Marvel stuff. So you get all the awesome Scott Collins art, you know, he draws a fantastic Bizarro. He draws a great Man Bat as well. Well, you've got you've got a lot of uh, uh, affection for Scott Collins. Yeah, the, wrote, the, the great you know run that he did with Jeff, short, with Jeff Johns Flash. on the Flash. But if you um, I mean, if you love his art. Uh, you will really enjoy this story. It features the, since we're talking about Frankensteins and Frankencastles, it has the DC Universe Frankenstein in it, uh, running around. It's a real simple story. It's not like overly uh, complicated and having to understand what's going on. Uh, just know that Bizarro thinks that Solomon Grundy's his friend. And now he isn't. So you have like, <laughs> as you know, you have all the Black Lanterns, you know, taunting people. You can get um, Solomon Grundy taunting Bizarro, which 
Me, I'm sad yeah. to learn this. Yeah. I really me, am. I'm happy. Me, me, I'm, I'm happy. happy to learn this. Me, I I'm happy. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. true. <laughs> but it was, I, I picked it up on a whim because yeah, I love Scott Collins' art and it was very good. You know, invariably, I'll, I'll pick up a Superman Batman just when I like feel like reading something else and I'm never disappointed. And I have to say that, you know, Jeff Loeb had that, and Ed McGinnis and others had that wonderful start to the series. It kind of wandered a little bit. He lent, He left the book at 25. And I honestly think that, for the most part, I'd say an 80% portion of those, those books since have been excellent stories. And I'm very happy that they've moved to the one-shot format because I think it works great. And I think that's what made World's Finest the book that it was when well, it was when it was excellent. This one's concluded in the next issue. Oh, I'm sorry. So this one's that. a two. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> you telling me that. Well, because <laughs> I haven't had a chance to read that one yet. Well, they've done they've done a lot of that. They've had some really nice um, two part stories in that. I, I think it works better because I, I think there's enough six issue mm-hmm. arc stories. And also, if you're missing now, obviously not in the case of this story, but for the most part, if you're missing Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent, that's where they are. Working mm-hmm. together, and you know, especially Bruce Wayne right <laughs> well, now. If you miss Bruce well, Wayne, you yeah. can find him most well, of the it's time. Kind of, it's kind of like Punisher, you know. If you're a Batman, Superman fan, well, you know, there's there's always going to be a version out there for you. So. Christian, where do you stand on Bizarro talk? I know Bizarro talk bothers people. I Some people like, I don't know. Bizarro, I think, uh, is as good as like how he's written. He's one of these characters that has no greatness uh, built in. I think it's um, it, it can be very easily awkward and kind of like uh, all should right, it always know, be backwards talk? That. Should it always be backwards talk? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You know, like he's Bizarro. He should never. He should you, you never actually say way, it, In my yeah. opinion, you have to go all the way. Like uh, it's like the demon without rhymes. You know, like mm-hmm. you cannot do that. You write. The demon, you have to have the rhymes, you have to have everything. Everything. One of my favorite. I, I got a trivia question for Caters real fast. Uh, mm-hmm. Who is the father of, or not the father, but who really wrote the bulk of the great Silver Age uh, Bizarro stories? Oh, come on, Tom. He knows. Or, it was. Uh, it was it, it's a, it's a, it's one of those forgotten. Yes, and it's one of these yeah. forgotten writers I that forget. did finally get the finger award a couple a couple of years ago. I, I want to say oh seven. Alvin Schwartz. Huh. Alvin Schwartz. Big. Uh, Big caretaker of the a lot of the great award. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I truly, thought everyone, named I for thought that everyone in comics got the finger award. Bill, all the it's time. Bill Finger. Finger. Yeah, I know, but, but, but also, and it was suggested awkward. suggested by Arnold Drake to kind of give the finger to the so comics industry for not acknowledging him. Finger. It's just mm-hmm. like here, you get the finger, buddy. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, th- I think that's the. I think that's uh, acknowledged as being oh, yeah. part of the award. Absolutely, you're in comics. Well, yeah, that too. But congratulations for being screwed over. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for ignoring him for. Far too many years, we're here to correct that. So there you go. One of the one of the books that's that's come out recently um, that we have not had a chance to talk about yet is the uh, the launch of uh, First Wave is uh, uh, Batman Doc Savage special number one. It's written by Chicagoan Brian Azzarillo, and uh, the art on this was done by Phil Noto. Even though I believe who Rags, is, Rags, Rags, Morales. Rags Morales is going to be doing the, the he'll be doing the main series. There okay. are going to be offshoots. Go ahead. You probably understand what's going on with First Wave and are probably way more excited about this than, than just about all of us. So explain, explain a little bit about what First Wave is. John is, is trembling. He I can is. feel He's the like, energy so coming excited. off of him. Shaking. Look at him. <laughs> all right. Relax. This like, is what it is. She's like, no, uh, these are a handful of Street and Smith pulp heroes that uh, Brian has created a very special world. I mean, he's he's made it clear in the in the conventions, if you haven't heard about it. Uh, it's a timeless 
earth where the best elements of the 20th and 21st century are all together. There are cars with running boards and Tommy guns alongside uh, the phones. internet and cell phones. Yeah. And uh, That was a little weird. I was it's, like, it's like, yeah. whoa, okay. You just have to just kind of say, okay, this is the world. And Batman's uh, career is literally in its first months. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this first one shot that he came used, out. He uses guns. He does, much like, and as Brian points out, Batman did in Detective Comics long mm-hmm. before there was a Batman first issue, or, you know, first issue of Batman. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the 1938 um, archetype of Batman, the original idea of the story, next to non-superpowered pulp heroes of the day. And it starts with Doc Savage, but it will include uh, the Avenger, the white-faced Avenger, who you might remember from uh, Shadow tie-ins and a, and a few uh, stories here and there in the DC universe when they had the license back in the day. Uh, Blackhawk? Black, the Blackhawks are in the book. Um, mm-hmm. Doc Savage, of course. Doc Savage is the closest thing you'll find to a Superman, but he is very human nonetheless. Well, he's Doc Savage. I and mean, it, that, that Doc Savage was the – he was kind of the, the seed that uh, Simon Schuster mm-hmm. used to sure. build Superman. Man of Bronze. Yeah. Before there was a Man of man Steel, of there was a Man of Bronze who he, had a fortress of solitude. You went to medical school. That too. He's a a doc. uh, Superman has no degree. But there's going to be a handful of uh, DC Golden Age characters like the Blackhawks will be represented. Black Canary is in the story. Wildcat's going to be in the story. Um, Lima the Jungle Girl, who apparently was a 19th century South American uh, female jungle hero. Uh, I got all this from Brian in a word With balloon a interview. Faithful Chukapagra, Chukapag, Chupacabra. Who will get there? Ace. Probably. Ace. Ace. That, that, that was like a whole genre of comics back in the forties and fifties. Was the jungle jungle girl? Oh, absolutely. Comics. Yeah, yeah. Sheena and uh, Jan. And I, I cannot understand why teenage <laughs> young exactly. boys would be attracted to stories of wild jungle girls. And, yeah, and, and like around. leopard sarongs and yeah. stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah, so. No, I thought this was a very Me, good start. Batman, you, Jane. Did you did you like it, Chris? Did you like the story? Yeah, I actually did. Uh, I read it twice because I had to. I had well, I had to get my head around. Okay, I didn't the, understand. The, this, is, this is this is like late 1930s or 1940s America. Here they are using cell phones, and there's guys with you know these are gangsters. Saw, Batman using guns. It was I saw weird. a movie recently. I can't figure out which one it was. I probably on DVD or something. Uh, oh God, I have. Oh, I shouldn't have said that because I can't remember which movie it was, which was like that in this kind of intemporal 30s. That's what I call like intemporal okay, I like 40s. That. Yeah. Ooh, I like where, that. Where, where they got like cell phones and all that. Yeah, it's very clearly uh, stylized. Like uh, you get a lot of Art Deco stuff, like huge cars with a, with a, a hood that goes like uh, forever. I, thought, and I, I thought, thought the Batman animated series kind of had that feel. I thought Dark Absolutely. City, the yeah, film yeah. Dark City, had yeah. that feel to it. But, yeah. but often, like, I, find it, like Dark City, I yeah. often find it looks fake, except in the Batman animated series. Where it was absolutely assimilated in such a natural way that it were I mean, like the, the, I'm talking about these series from the '90s. Like sure. For me, that's the only one. Like the, the, that's really like the, the best of the best. Because sometimes, no, I would agree. Sometimes it's a little and, bit like, oh, I'm using a cell phone, but, and now there's a blimp in the background. I have a dirigible. I have that one, but like the art looks terrific. Phil's awesome. And, yeah. uh, I'm a big Phil and, fan. And yeah. uh, something else. Originally, I have to admit, when I heard about it. I was like, why put Batman with like, uh, you know, like Doc Savage? For me, Doc Savage is like, he's his own guy. You know sure. what I mean? He doesn't uh, need the the thing. I, for me, it's also back to uh, Marvel had like a Doc Savage series, like uh, drawn by Ross Andrew. A lot of issues, like which wow. I loved when I was a kid. 
I, I, have I a still lot of remember those. these. Oh, that was really great with his whole like crew, like uh, with yes. him. Yes, and the five are in this. Yeah. Will be in this series. And uh, also, quite frankly, the best take I've ever seen on Doc Savage was like his very short appearances, like thinly disguised in Planetary, like which yes. I thought was really <laughs> oh, yeah. Doctor Brasbol or yes, like yes. whatever he was called. Yeah, like <laughs> Doc Brass, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, it, 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 he. He's, but enough people mm-hmm. told me that this is really good, so yeah. I, I'm waiting for it to come, like in the with the complete, and uh, I, I, I'm sure I'll enjoy I, I that. I believe the series starts in February. Yeah, I'm my pretty only, sure. Right? My only problem with the art was I thought it was, it was all a little light for what it was at times. At times, it seemed like everything was really too like, bright. Everything was really like bright yeah. at okay. certain points, and like and it's a dark story. It's yeah, all at and, night it, it, and yeah. it had a little. It, there was parts that just came across not as heavy as I thought. It well, well have. Phil is a pretty unique artist. Not everyone is going to dig what what Phil does. Uh, and, I like what he does. I love he, what he does. All those like, covers um, he did of Birds of Prey back in the early two thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's got that paperback cover, and that's what I said to Brian. He Azarello does have that too. feel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? No, and also I find he's got like a good sense of design. Simply like see things mm-hmm. work well, and like that's. Uh, you can re- you look at these pages and you know you can read it with confidence that you're gonna get like a, a good storytelling. Yeah. You're gonna get into the story basically. That's and he's a super nice guy. You know, and those and those old stories that they that they're based on a lot of that pulp material from the 30s and 40s. Um, it doesn't hold up well. I mean, it is dated. But back when I was a little kid. As I, it, it's so funny. It's always the excuse I make for why we love 1926. Yeah, it's, it's the truth. But yeah, growing, growing up in the yeah. early, growing up in the early seventies before the before the depression. This is all we had. I mean, so yeah, when when those, as we were saying earlier, those comics that only came out eight times a month when they weren't coming out, what were you reading? I read those Doc Savage paperbacks, or the reprints and the Shadow reprints and the Adventure and stuff, and the characters were so cool. And also, DC flirted with those licenses back in the early 70s. You had Mike Kaluta and Denny O'Neill writing, uh, writing and drawing The Shadow. Frank Robbins drew The yeah. Shadow for a while. Jack Kirby did oh, several Frank of Robbins. those issues oh, of... Man. Yes, and Jack, uh, Jack Kirby did a couple issues of The Avenger. Joe Orlando was kind of behind, was the editor behind that end of the DC line. And there were some really neat pulp you know, comics and everything, and that made me curious about the paperbacks. So yeah, I've I've kind of been waiting for great sto- new stories for Doc and the adventure so, and stuff. I, it's been a long time. I could Kyle be wrong. Baker and, I could be wrong, but yeah, I was about to mention Kyle Baker, Andy Helfer, yes. and like all these guys. Yep, that's the last time I think we've seen like the or maybe. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me the last time we've seen like all these like great pop characters like in a, published by a major uh, company by a major company because yeah. I know Mike Raringo did and and when when we did our word balloon uh, he had, we talked about it he did a Doc Savage miniseries for and I can't even remember like Millennium oh, Comics I, I or something should read like that. that I loved his art I mean, yeah he's such, he such was a embarrassed great, by but you know Mike was always embarrassed by great things that he did and it wasn't a great oh, Raringo but it was solid I think and it was still it's cool. one of the greatest loss uh, oh, absolutely this business absolutely it's no great so guy. sad it's just on. Wonderful. It's like a great artist. I mean. Marvelous artist. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, now, you growing up in France, do you guys have exposure to uh, to the great pulp heroes like the, the Shadow and Doc Savage? And yeah, did the and American pulps stuff? make it to France? Yeah, yeah, the same way people have it here. You have to understand, like, uh, when you grow up in another country, you basically are smarter than an American. <laughs> meaning, no. meaning, you get everything Americans get, plus you get whatever they don't get from your own country and all that. I mean, that, uh, that's uh, so. Yeah, we know. Like, uh, I mean, 
same as the states. So you're no, saying you get all the American stuff and then you get yeah. all the cheaper European knockoffs of the we, American stuff. We get stuff. like the high quality European stuff and then we get like uh, the crap you guys like uh, let us have, you know, like they're just like... There was a, pulp, a French pulp I'll hero. I'll get you, Nisiman. <laughs> Wasn't there a Fante... Uh, it started with an F. Dr. Beret. Fantomas? Yes, Fantomas. Fantomas. Yes, and wasn't he kind of a pulp hero? Yeah, absolutely. A French pulp hero? Yeah, there were novels. I mean, but yeah, what exactly. you guys would have called pulp. Uh, there was a, a huge wave in France, specifically like um, late 19th century, early 20th century. We had like also a great character, character called Arsène Lupin. The detective, which, absolutely. Uh, uh, no, actually, he's oh. a gentleman thief. Ah, excuse me. And it was a kind Ooh. of like... Um, Almost an answer to Sherlock Holmes and some really wonderful novels. I used to love these when I was a kid. Everybody's read them, like at some point. And like he's a, in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He makes an appearance in the second does. in the uh, second well, volume. Well, I'm yes. not surprised. He even yeah. had like a, a nemesis called Sherlock Holmes. So you know that, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But the stories there was also the Fantomas uh, you mentioned, like was very dark stuff. And it's we're talking about like that Paris at the turn of the 20th century, which is a very dark and mysterious Paris. You have the catacombs under Paris. You get like all that, all that stuff. Like, and it, it, the atmosphere is very heavy. As a child, it was f scaring me actually. You know, that really? was like there was a, a kind of like heavy feel of like almost like a horror never seen, but like mm, just right there, right under the surface. You know, like something quite, quite scary. In the same vein, I okay, I'm just gonna digress just for for a second. Uh, one of the finest comic book artists we have in France named Jacques Tardy was not known here. Uh, a few years ago, did a uh, comic book adaptation of like um, the voice of the people, uh, the, the, the cry of the people, which is a story um, about like uh, the French Commune. The Commune was a, a French Revolution uh, that happened like in the 1870s, like back in Paris, only like where the army killed people. Basically, the people were like revolting against like the, the restored like uh, basically empire like uh, of Napoleon III and the army shot and killed the people and he describes, he, he shows in this comic because he, he's an extraordinary artist, he's the only guy who knows how to draw Paris and France but like the feel is there, the buildings are real and the way they looked then, he knows, I mean it's, um, I can't explain, let, let me just say it's, it's absolutely wonderful and you get that same feel except from an almost like documentary point of view if such a thing is possible of this like really dark Paris, a Paris of ghettos, a Paris of real armed gangs that would like, you know, like just like cut your throat, like rip your eyes out and, and all that, where like several worlds are like uh, colliding together, like several strata of society, like uh, in, in a very oppressive and impressive way. That's um, is this Jazz Age Paris, nineteen twenties? You say no, Paris, no, or, to, no, no. This is like eighteen seventies. Eighteen seventies. Okay, okay. Oh, but but, okay. but from there to uh, I, I think the commune, <laughs> uh, the commune that revolution uh, ended in uh, was in seventy one. Unless oh god, I don't even know my history properly. Seventy or seventy one. Okay, uh, eighteen. And uh, from there, it seems to the 20s, you get this whole mysterious Paris thing going on, like in, in pop, like a lot of novels come out, a lot of... So that, I guess that would be French pop. Sure. But okay. at the same time, we read also like uh, Doc Savage, like, uh, you know, obviously like stuff like uh, Sherlock Holmes, British, but right. you, know, you know what well, I mean. Like and, the same, and, and it's not, Lupin and, and Holmes were more part of that period right before the dime novels of the early 1900s. Yeah. And it really went from, yes, like Lupin and Holmes in the in the late 19th century, the dime novels, which was like Nick Carter 
and 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 people like that, all by Street and Smith. And then by the 30s, you had you know the Shadow and that's, the Avenger that's was the literally the tail end yeah. of the pulps. I, mean, I am not surprised you know. like to see like some of these characters come uh, into comics. I think maybe it should be um, maybe some someone in France should think the, should do the same like with the ones we have because there are direct link, there's a direct linkage from pop. Uh, pop to fiction comics, yeah. to, 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 to comics it's quite obvious uh, it these makes are the grandfathers of sense. these characters yeah. absolutely uh, uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen it, it just makes sense you know it's Certainly. just like um, and there's also a big like it seems to me like especially in the in the states but uh, maybe a little also in Europe I don't know I'm not sure there is a, a kind of yearning for that like um, mm, Victorian sci-fi if I can steampunk. call it that way yeah steampunk yeah, yeah that's yeah. um it's a whole genre in its own. And oh, absolutely. It works well. Did, did you ever watch that Secret World of uh, Jules Verne? That uh, and I, you were here when it was on in the '90s in the Sci-Fi Channel. And I mean, it wasn't a perfect show, but from a visual standpoint, it was absolutely League of Extraordinary no, Gentlemen beautiful. I, I didn't. I never saw that. But I read like about half his books, which is probably thirty books. Jules Verne's books. Yeah. yeah. And in some ways, he probably is like the granddaddy. Him and, uh, um, although no, he came before Wells. Uh, Wells. Uh, Vern, uh, Vern came before Wells. Yeah, yeah. But he probably is the granddaddy of things. You know, it's like also this age where like the Eiffel Tower, um, gets, you, you get like that whole design, you know, like thing going on. Yeah, like that, it was that, a futuristic that, design, absolutely, for its yeah, time. That's, Certainly. Um, well, and also the, um, you know, and, and I think Alan Moore does cop to it, uh, Jose Luis uh, or Philip Jose Farmer, a uh, science fiction writer yes. of the sixties, seventies, and eighties, who just passed too. away recently, like he in did? the last couple oh, of years. I did not know that. Yeah, and in like the last year or two, um, he had what he called the Wald Newton universe, and he kind of put a continuity to all of these uh, characters who were written by individual writers and publishers, but he kind of connected them all together. And it guys who just had to make everything fit. It's well, and, it, and it does, <laughs> and it's wonderful. Comic book writers, they yeah. used to that. You know, it's like how do yes. you fix like the DC continuity? You know, these guys are like wired up to do that. It's like wait a minute, how come like uh, you know like. Soon they're gonna like it's include that. I don't know, like crime and punishment has to fit with like the, the latest, <laughs> you know, like a sci-fi novel. And like, it how does. do they make that work? <laughs> they, I, they make it work. How do the Hardy Boys fit with Anna Karina? Yeah, yeah that's, know, we get those? you know, and that's the great I, thing. I got a this. few ideas about that one. If you go to Philip Jose Farmer's website, and there's still one there that that you know kind of celebrates his work, there is a Wald Newton Universe portion, and literally there is fan fiction that explains the connections of. Shang-Chi to uh, Sherlock Holmes by way of James Bond and, uh, you know, really does put a familial continuity and says this person married this person who went to Shanghai, who met up with Fu Manchu, and there's Shang-Chi. And I, it's wonderful. It, and honestly, any comic book fan would love it. Could, and they do connect could, the comic book characters. Comic book writers are very attracted, by definition, to science fiction. Most of, of comic books are science fiction. Absolutely. That's what the superhero genre is. It's, it's yep. a, a kind of like... A, Mythology meets science fiction, basically. Yeah, that's... And so they go back, like, obviously, to the, the, it seems like we have cut, it's simplistic, but, like, the science fiction age is at, like, uh, seven, 60s, 70s, which is the last wave of sci-fi in some ways. Before that, you have, like, the, the great sci-fi of the 30s, the way the 30s we used to imagine the world. You have Metropolis by Fritz Lang, the World Fair, that's, that's part of this True. whole, like, thing. And then you go back to what we're talking about, Jules Verne and all that. And they've all, like, dwelled in, into that stuff. Yeah, I don't know if it's correct to say that, but yeah. they all, like, uh, 
they pull from those worlds? Yeah. No, what would be interesting and uh, would be because Jules Verne's uh, Jules Verne is not like the birth of science fiction, obviously. I would like to see someone to have a take on like uh, Leonardo da Vinci's science fiction. The only time it's been done, as far as I know, it's like in the movie uh, Flesh and Blood. Uh, that's well, I I do know and and heard about this this week. I don't know if you guys heard about it, but uh, finally it's come out. Uh, Jonathan Hickman's got mm-hmm. a very interesting 2010 uh, series coming out in terms of the birth of Shield and really looking at the history of Shield, which apparently does go back hundreds of years. Oh yeah, and yeah. we're going to see. A very early in feudal China or Japan, I can't tell depending on the art, but a very early Galactus uh, coming to Earth and dealing with so many hundreds of years ago. Or that apparently Da Vinci was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. You see S.H.I.E.L.D. And and I think that's (laughs) That's going to be – yeah, honestly, man. And the art looks fantastic. And John has told me about the series uh, for months. And I've been thrilled about it and just waiting for it to finally come out in the public. It and sounds now in, I'm very It sounds excited. interesting, except for me, Sh- S.H.I.E.L.D. is too much like CIA-like. In other words, it should have been, uh, they should have uh, put the roots of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the end of World War II, created by a Nazi, the same way the CIA was with Gellin, who <laughs> yes. was the one who organized yes. like, uh, the CIA. It was modeled after like uh, Hitler's like, uh, the SS. information. Uh, the SS. Like, yes, uh, yes. Gellin was like... Well, there was the OS. Took him uh, under his wing. That's true. But it, uh, well, though, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. did, you know, was formed by the United Nations, supposedly. So, I mean, you know, really, the the first first Nick Fury S.H.I.E.L.D. story is in in, uh, the helicarrier, and it is uh, the United Nations that creates S.H.I.E.L.D. How can the helicarrier work anyway with such small propellers? Can anyone explain that to me? It's Da Vinci. It's Da Vinci. It's the best. It's Da Vinci. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, Da Vinci. Yeah. Would that be? Oh, man, I, exactly. <laughs> Thomas, God. Thomas John put that scene in if it's not already together. in. <laughs> All right, Somebody guys, call Hickman. I tell you what, let's, uh, let's wrap this one up. Uh, it's been a, Already? It's, wow. Yeah. Well, you, know, you know how long it took me to get here? I, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we will keep, we will, we will soak we'll you for as long as we as we can today. So don't worry. All you, right. you have more talking left in you. All right. Remember to check out John on Word balloon. Oh, thank you. Yep. And Tom on Tom versus the Flash. Yeah. Uh, I'll pop uh, uh, pop up later in the week on eleven o'clock comics. Yes, you will. Uh, Christian, you are of course monthly on uh, Green Lantern. Forty nine. You and and Doug skipped. Uh, you are you are skipping that. I month? believe Ed Benes mm-hmm. does the uh, artwork oh, hey. for uh, forty nine, and we'll be back with fifty, which is going to be an oversized. Uh, uh, I believe it's going to be 30 pages. I'm not sure yet if there's mm-hmm. like a, maybe 31, uh, okay. 32, so, something like that. So, so it's an oversized, oversized anniversary issue for uh, 50. 50th issue, yep, yep. Green Lantern, Blackest Night, the whole thing, like millions of dollars for me, like, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> in royalties. A, a gold ticker tape parade. Like in, a, in, he's wearing a luxurious coat right now. Right like now. A, his Very Elvis coat. coat. Yeah, yeah, like like yes, yes. yeah we're, we're talking White before, leather. beforehand. You know, all of those. I'm going <laughs> to fi- finally be able to import hair. Implants. <laughs> yeah, just the flowing locks. You know, all, <laughs> all, all you folks that have been picking up the lantern rings at uh, at the all, store all each week. Well, well, Christian's rings work. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I'm writing. The Just first the, one I got was like the black ring, and I figured, okay, if I can order it to ink instead of me, uh, I'm in business, go. right there. Didn't work. Huh? Well, the I hate to one say, works. but they are crap. They don't work. <laughs> then I tried flight, but because I'm very smart. I only climbed on a very small stool and jumped 
and, okay. and told the ring, fly, fly. That's because you were afraid. Work. I was like, thank God I'm smart. That's Otherwise, right. You know, like, no, you, had, you had not enough will. It you was too much not fear. Enough will. will worry talking about <laughs> when it comes to, to make money, uh, like have somebody work instead of me. I got all the will in the, you all the, will in the world, buddy. You got to use the orange one then if you're going to use greed. It's true too. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the yeah the oh, the, the orange right. the orange one is the only ring that works today. for me. I just got today. Maybe I go home and I'll try. <laughs> is that the Doom Patrol uh, issue? Oh, I, I forget now too. All right, uh, uh, remember to uh, yeah drop the uh, drop the show an email at info at aroundcomics .com, and you can uh, give us a shout on uh, give us a shout on <laughs> the uh, on the uh, uh, voicemail line at one eight 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 nine seven seven five nine zero three. All right, would like to thank everyone for joining us today. Tom Thank and John Thank you. and Christian and uh, the fine folks here at Challengers Comics and Conversation for yes. hosting us. Thank you, yes. Thank Patrick. you, Patrick. Thank you, Del. Yes. Yes, Mr. Mr. Patrick. So uh, if you are ever in the Chicago area or if you live in Chicago, make sure to uh, head down to uh, Challengers Comics. They're located at 1845 Northwestern Avenue, just one, not even a full block south of the Western Stop on the uh, the Blue Line. So, all right, everyone, uh, have a fantastic rest of your week and weekend. We'll be back again next Monday with another full-length episode. In the meantime. In between time. In between time. Thank you. I'll miss you, Chris. I'll miss you, too. We'll be everywhere in. And around, around comics. comics. Chris's tiny arms. Hey, hey. hey it's a hockey But sweat. very strong and hairy. Like a T-Rex. <laughs> He's a scavenger. <laughs> He's like T-Rex. <laughs> nice. Views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and may not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Any reproduction, rebroadcast, or retransmission without the express written consent of Around Comics is strictly prohibited. All content presented in this program is the sole property of Around Comics, and this has been an Around Comics production, copyright 2009.